See Tom Run, a free podcast of the novel by Scott Wittenberg, narrated by the author. For more information on this and other novels by the author, please visit scottwittenberg.com. Chapter 3 Tom quickly glanced around the parking lot and along North Broadway, hoping to catch sight of his jeep. He saw nothing moving at all. He ran over to where it had been parked and could see the tire tracks clearly in the deep snow where the thief had backed out before moving south toward the exit road from the hospital. So, he wasn't alone after all. His immediate impulse was to find a vehicle he could borrow so he could chase after the driver of his jeep. There were quite a few cars in the parking lot, every one buried under six or seven inches of fresh snow. He ran over to the first four-wheel drive he could find, a Subaru Forester, briskly cleared off the snow from the door handle and tried it. It was locked. He moved along the row of cars for a few more moments until he finally found a Honda CRV that was unlocked. He jumped inside and was thrilled to find that the keys were still in the ignition. The engine was excruciatingly slow in turning over, but finally fired up. He jumped out and cleared off the windshield and windows as best he could, jumped back in, put it into drive, and headed for the exit. He noticed with relief that the snowstorm had tapered off somewhat as he neared the exit, hoping to ascertain which direction the jeep tracks led. In the virgin snow, it was clear to see that they headed west toward Upper Arlington. Tom gave the little four-cylinder SUV the gas and hung a right in hot pursuit. As he followed the tracks to Fishinger Road, Tom wondered who had stolen his Jeep and why. The first question was impossible to answer, but the second was easy. The guy saw a warm, uninhabited vehicle with its engine running in a deserted parking lot, so he decided to nab it. Duh! As angry as he was that someone had brazenly ripped him off, Tom nevertheless found solace in knowing that he was not the only human being left on earth. No matter who had stolen his jeep, that person was apparently alive and well, and in the same predicament as he was. That had to be a good thing. But another mystery was why that person had not tried to contact him. It wouldn't take a genius to figure out that whoever owned the idling jeep was inside the hospital trying to find another living soul in the godforsaken place. Why wouldn't that person attempt to find the jeep's driver, instead of stealing it and driving off into the sunset? Unless, Tom thought, that person didn't want to be discovered by him, which implied that this person could be a potential foe. Tom raced as fast as he could along Fishinger, continuing west toward Route 33, he barely took his eyes off the road to glance at the houses that were shrouded in sheer darkness. When he reached the intersection of Route 33, the tracks proceeded west over the bridge toward Hilliard. Although his adrenaline was pumping now, Tom also felt an overwhelming fatigue coursing throughout his body. This whole situation was so bizarre and surreal that he half expected it to end at any moment. He sure wished it would, and that was a fact. The tire tracks continued on the same road for a few more miles until they merged onto the southbound entrance ramp to the I-270 outer belt. Tom slowed down in order to stay on the curve in the road until he was safely on the interstate. The highway looked like something out of a science fiction movie as he sped south on it, not a single working streetlight illuminating the way. 
This source of countless traffic backups, headaches, and collisions was now nothing more than a pure white, uninhabited landscape, sort of like Mars. Tom suddenly saw a pair of headlights about a mile ahead in the northbound lane, coming toward him fast. He stared over at the car incredulously as it whizzed by in the opposite direction on the other side of the median. It was his jeep. On impulse, he hit the brakes and began fishtailing out of control. He nearly did a 360 as the Honda spun around like a top. Tom let off the brake and cut the steering wheel in the same direction as he was spinning until the little SUV was finally under control. He slowed down to a complete stop near the berm, heading in the opposite direction. Tom swore under his breath, turned the car back around, and proceeded south, the huge concrete divider preventing him from crossing over to the other side. He kept his eyes peeled for the next exit and suddenly saw an orange sign that read, Road Closed Ahead. Tom slowed down a bit until he came upon a huge construction area that encompassed the entire highway in all six lanes. He followed the detour sign to the next exit and quickly got onto the northbound entrance ramp. As he strained his eyes to spot his jeep ahead in the distance, Tom thought it odd that the outer belt was completely shut down southward from this point on. He couldn't recall ever reading anything about it. Tom was driving as fast as he possibly could and still keep the car under control as he continued in pursuit. He hadn't been able to see the driver when it flew by, but it was clear that whoever it was did not want him to catch up, which made Tom think that he had best use caution if and when he finally caught up to the thief. He slowed down at the Hilliard exit where he had first gotten onto the outer belt and discovered that the jeep had gone past it. As he sped up again, he noticed that the fuel gauge was near empty. If he didn't have any luck soon, he was going to have to give up the chase before he ran out of gas. The last thing he needed was to be stranded out here in this lonesome interstate. Tom had driven another four or five miles when he thought he spotted a pair of red taillights up ahead. He began slowing down, and when he got closer, discovered that the lights were not moving at all. The jeep had run off the road. He pulled up beside the Laredo, which was still running. It was at that moment that he realized his jeep had run into a utility pole, just hard enough to dent in the bumper a good half inch or so. He saw no sign of the driver and wondered if he bailed out. Then he thought he spotted the top of a head lying against the driver's side window. The head was motionless. Tom threw the CRV into park and jumped out. He ran over and gingerly opened the door, careful not to let the person fall out. He was shocked to discover that the driver was a young woman and apparently unconscious. He gently lifted the girl upright against the seat. She started to moan softly. Hey there, are you all right? he said. The girl moaned again and then her eyes fluttered open. When she saw Tom, she let out a scream. Don't hurt me, please, she cried, terrified. Don't worry, I won't, Tom said. Are you hurt? It looks like you may have hit your head on the steering wheel. You promise you won't hurt me? Tom patted her lightly on the shoulder. I won't, I promise. I just want to make sure you're okay. What happened? The girl seemed to snap out of it somewhat as she peered into Tom's eyes. I thought you were somebody else, she began. Someone has been chasing me for the last couple of hours. He's very dangerous. I thought I'd lost him a while back, and then my car ran out of gas on the north side. I ran on foot until I found this jeep parked at Riverside Hospital. So I got in and drove out here, trying to find a way out of town. Then I ran into the road construction and headed back this way. 
I saw your car and panicked. I guess I started driving too fast. The next thing I knew, I lost control and slid into the berm. I braked until I ran into that pole. Guess I hit my head on the steering wheel and it knocked me out. Tom wondered why the airbag hadn't deployed as he noticed a lump on the girl's forehead in the dim light. It was bleeding slightly. Hey, you got quite a bump there, he said. He leaned over to the dash compartment and pulled out a pack of Kleenex. Here, hold this over it, he said, gently placing the tissue on her forehead. Thanks. How did you know there'd be Kleenex in the glove box? Tom smiled. Oh, my wife always makes sure that we keep Kleenex aboard. The girl's eyes widened. This is your Jeep? Yep, sure is. That's why I've been following you. God, I'm so sorry. I was just so scared that I didn't give it a second thought when I took it. Of course, I didn't really expect to see anyone else out tonight. Tom said, Don't worry about my car. It sounds like you really needed it at the time. Before you tell me who's been chasing you, I'd like to know what you meant by not expecting to see anyone out tonight. The girl shook her head wearily. That's going to take some explaining, and I'm so tired I can hardly keep my eyes open. I know what you mean. Let's say we get off this highway and go somewhere warm. I'll drive. You don't know how good that sounds. Uh, Tom. Tom Grayson, he said. The girl smiled. My name is Aaron Myers. She offered him her hand awkwardly. Nice to meet you. Tom shook her hand. The pleasure is mine. How does your head feel? Not bad. But I wouldn't exactly refuse a couple of Advils either. We'll go to my house and get you some. Maybe we can even find some food to eat. Where do you live? Worthington. We can't go there. Why not? That's where he started chasing me. I live in Worthington, too. Whereabouts? Tom asked. Near Wilson Bridge Road. Don't worry. We're not going that far. Besides, what makes you think he'll find us? And if he does, whoever he is, what could he possibly do? Aaron shook her head. Kyle is liable to do anything when he's this mad. He'd probably kill us both. Tom was shocked by this response, but tried not to show it. No, he won't. I'll protect you. Spoken like a true superhero. No offense, but you don't know just how violent he is. He... She stopped herself and closed her eyes. It was clear that she didn't want to go on. Tom said, It's okay, Aaron. Let's get out of here and we'll make sure this Kyle character doesn't spot us. I know some pretty obscure routes to my home. Aaron managed a weak smile. Okay. Tom helped her out and escorted her over to the passenger side. He checked out the damage to the Jeep, which was minimal, and then parked the CRV closer to the berm. He debated what to do with the keys and wondered if the owner would ever be reunited with his car again. It was at that moment that the full brunt of all that had happened resurfaced in his mind. He got back into the Jeep and backed away from the pole. Won't be needing that little Honda anymore. It's about out of gas anyway, he quipped. He glanced at his own fuel gauge, which still had about a quarter of a tank left. Good for about another 40 or 50 miles, he estimated. Thank you, Tom, Aaron said. For what? She looked over at him. Saving me. Tom was a little confused by this, but replied, You're welcome. They drove a few miles in silence, and Tom thought of at least a dozen questions he wanted to ask Aaron Myers. He felt it best to wait, though, at least until they'd reached his house. He caught himself nearly nodding off as he drove through the seemingly endless white vista back to Worthington. He was all but completely spent. 
The thought of going home, falling asleep, and waking up to find that this had just been an awful nightmare was his greatest wish at the moment. However, Tom was almost certain that wouldn't be the case. See Tom Run is copyright 2008 by Scott Wittenberg. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider purchasing a copy of the book, now available at scottwittenberg.com. Thanks for your support.